If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, quarantine fatigue. As the death toll in the U.S. passes 55,019 states loosen restrictions, the governor of California today vows to take action after pictures showing packed beaches. In Chicago, outrage after video shows a house party with hundreds inside. And what cell phone data reveals if Americans are still staying home. Ramping up testing, three months into the crisis, the president unveils what he's calling a blueprint for nationwide testing. And why President Trump is suggesting some schools open this academic year. Where's the money? Today's small businesses get the chance again to apply for help. The federal loan website crashes within minutes. And so many of you told us you still hadn't received your $1,200 stimulus check. Tonight, your stories, plus the online tracker that tells you if that check is on the way. Possible treatment? Could a popular heartburn drug help in the treatment of COVID-19? Why some hospitals have quietly been testing it for weeks. America's food problem. Why are so many crops rotting in the field at the same time America's food banks are running out of food? Farmers, food banks, and states demanding answers from the Department of Agriculture. And we end tonight with a sweet story of how a couple celebrated their golden anniversary together, even as the virus kept them apart. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin tonight with news just coming in from the White House, what the president is calling a new nationwide strategy for testing Americans to get them back to work. But the guidelines, which President Trump just announced in the Rose Garden, require individual states to find testing supplies and conduct their tests rather than the federal government. The new plan comes as more and more Americans are suffering what's for what's being called quarantine fatigue, a desire to return to a more normal life after weeks of staying home. That burnout combined with rising unemployment is leading 19 states to loosen restrictions and reopen some businesses and restaurants. Even more plan to do so by May 1st. But in many of those states, the number of infections is still rising. Tonight, there are more than 985,000 confirmed cases in the U.S. Nearly 56,000 people have died nationwide. And as we come on the air tonight, the chairman of Tyson's Foods, which produces 20% of the country's beef, pork and chicken, is warning the U.S. food supply chain is breaking because so many processing plant workers are getting sick, even as farmers say their food is rotting in the fields because they can't harvest it. A lot to get to tonight. Our team of correspondents is standing by, and CBS's Mark Strassman is going to lead us off tonight outside Atlanta. Mark? 
nor riding out a pandemic in Georgia suddenly has options. You can go out to dinner and a movie. You can get a haircut, a workout, a tattoo. And if you're wondering, does any of that sound smart? Well, so are many Georgians. Dining out in America's contagion. A waitress wearing a mask and gloves tried to serve reassurance. Table service returned today to Atlanta's four Bad Daddy Burger Bars. This sign reminded everyone safety is on the menu. Among our, our servers, our bartenders, they'll be wearing masks. Uh, there's hand sanitizer that's able to be used. Uh, we have disposable menus. Any Georgia restaurant could reopen, from a breakfast chain to a local pizzeria. But few in Atlanta did, and most of their tables sat empty. Governor Brian Kemp's hungry to reverse Georgia's soaring unemployment. More than one million new claims in four weeks. But health experts worry impatience is the new pathogen for governors and consumers. That's bad for them, and it's also bad for health care workers. We have worked so hard, and our health care workers have sacrificed so much over the last month. For any state to reopen, White House guidelines call for a two-week downward trend of documented COVID cases. No state meets that standard. Over Georgia's last two weeks, COVID cases have jumped 38 percent, and COVID deaths 51 percent. As of today, at least 19 states have already loosened some restrictions. 17 more will loosen them by this Friday, May 1st. Researchers at the University of Maryland tracking cell phone data report people are venturing out more, ignoring stay-home orders, possibly because of quarantine fatigue. It looked that way on California's beaches over the weekend. The governor today promised to crack down. Those images are an example of what not to see people what not to do. Back in Georgia, movie theaters can also reopen. Most stayed dark. We won't open today. Uh, and, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, a very difficult decision to make. Owner Chris Escobar owns the Plaza Theater in Atlanta, closed since mid-March. I know movies. I don't know public health, so I'm going to listen to people who do. Inside this reopened restaurant, there are a few people eating inside, and on the patio here, every other table is marked off to help keep the parties at least six feet apart. The staff is wearing gloves and masks, the menus are disposable, and now, Nora, fingers crossed that everyone's safe. All right, Mark, thank you. Moments ago, the White House unveiled what it calls a new strategy to ramp up testing, and President Trump is telling the nation's governors to start thinking about reopening schools. But the plans leave much of the funding, designing, and carrying out of the test to individual states. CBS's Weijia Zhang is at the White House tonight. Weijia. Honor, tonight President Trump said we have it all when it comes to testing, the same message he's been spreading for weeks, even though it's not true, according to governors. Facing mounting pressure, he announced that national plan, which is really much more a list of suggestions for states. President Trump continues to claim the administration has made great progress when it comes to coronavirus testing. The testing itself is going very well. Uh, no complaints. Governors are still pleading for help. And in order to uh, reopen our economy, we really need that testing. In a new federal plan touted by the president, the administration would give all 50 states enough tests each month to screen 2% of their populations. A rapid response program would isolate people who test positive and trace contacts. We are continuing to rapidly expand our capacity and confident that we have enough testing to begin reopening and the reopening process. We want to get our country open 
and the testing is not going to be a problem at all. But this new plan does not provide specifics about the supply chain or a roadmap for growing testing capacity, and the burden remains largely on the states. There are lots and lots of people out there who do not know that they have coronavirus because they haven't been tested. Executives from CVS and Walgreens who met with the president today said they'd open up testing sites at thousands of stores across the U.S. And on a call with governors, the president reportedly told them to consider reopening schools, but most are closed, many through the end of the academic year. President Trump said again tonight that he wants the schools to reopen quickly but safely because it's good for the young people. But the White House's own guidelines say states should wait to do that until they see a downward trend of cases for 28 days straight. And Nora, they're just not there yet. All right, Weijia, thank you so much. Antibodies can give a better picture of just how many people have been exposed to the coronavirus, even if they never had symptoms. But there are more than 100 unproven antibody tests on the market, and we still don't know what level of immunity coronavirus antibodies give you. It's an important story we've been following closely, and CBS's Mola Lenghi reports tonight from New York City. Finding out who has been exposed to the coronavirus is key to reopening the country. But there are still some uncertainties. The WHO says there's no guarantee of immunity after infection. But here in the U.S., medical experts overwhelmingly agree that the antibodies that remain give some level of protection. CBS News medical contributor Dr. David Agus. The tests that we have now on the market don't tell you individually whether you have the neutralizing antibodies, whether you have the antibodies that can prevent you from getting an infection again. Of the more than 160 antibody tests flooding the market, the FDA has only given emergency oh, wow. authorization to eight. Bioengineer Patrick Sue and his colleagues set out to see how many of those tests are accurate. Results so far are mixed. And how would you characterize this? There are definitely some that are better than others. Um, we see uh, out of the 10 that we tested, I think, you know, three that after a few weeks were 90% positive. The Feinstein Institute at Northwell Health is testing the acid reflux medication Pepsid, also known as famotidine, to see if it blocks the virus from replicating. We don't know if taking famotidine causes more harm than good. We will be studying hundreds of patients who are hospitalized receiving intravenous famotidine. Researchers are currently studying whether that acid reflux medication can be used to treat the virus. Right now, there's no indication that it can. Uh, still, of course, doctors warn in the potential dangers of misusing medications over the counter or prescription. Bottom line, if you have a question about what to take and when to take it, ask your doctor. Nora. Thank you, Mola. And today, thousands of small businesses hoping for loans endured more delays and frustration. The website crashed for a short time. This comes as Americans are asking, where's my check? As of last week, about 90 million Americans have received their $1,200 stimulus check. That leaves about 60 million who haven't. We know this is a big issue for many of you. In your text to me over the last week, we heard a lot of you are still waiting. So we asked CBS's Janet Shamlin to look into it. Jessa Lewis is a self-employed single mom, still waiting on both unemployment and stimulus money. It is definitely getting frustrating, and as each day goes by, it gets more stressful. She's about to be three months behind on rent, can barely afford groceries, and is trying to sell a piece of art she loves to raise cash. So what percentage of your income are you making right now? Nothing in weeks. 
The reason millions like Lewis are still waiting include a change of address or bank account since their last tax filing, payments going to the wrong account, or a delay for those who failed to file taxes. Customers can track the federal money from the Get My Payment tool on the IRS website. By entering your social security number and address, you can find out when to expect payment and add direct deposit information. We put our heart and soul into this business, you know, and finally we feel like we're starting to see the rainbow, you know, and then this happens. Robin, who owns a Houston area donut shop with five employees, is also waiting. But money from the Paycheck Protection Program to help businesses ran out before she could get any. I feel like we've gone through so much. We put our life savings into this place. For small businesses like Robin's Donut Shop, it will be an anxious wait. The $310 billion may be gone quickly, even within a week. Nora. Janet, thank you. And we wanted to do that story because we heard from many of you about those missing checks, and I want to continue to hear from you. Text me. You can share stories that interest you. Now to that warning from the CEO of Tyson Foods. Tonight, he says the U.S. food supply chain is breaking because so many workers who process meat have coronavirus. And farmers say their crops, meant for schools and restaurants, are rotting. This comes at the same time that food banks are running low and lines are long. As CBS's Manuel Bohorkas reports, it's because of a lack of a federal plan to distribute the food. When Florida farmer Sam Accursio saw demand from the food service industry plummet, he did what he could with the tomatoes that were ripe for harvesting. So we've just been giving them away what we can, but we just simply have too much. People could be living off of what we have to throw away. The result? Millions of pounds of Florida tomatoes and squash were left to rot. In Idaho, farmers are putting out potato pyramids for people to take. In the Midwest, dairy farmers have dumped millions of gallons of milk. The cruel irony is all of this is happening while Americans wait in long lines for food donations. 120,000 people a week at the San Antonio Food Bank. It is criminal. Um, it's a shame that food should never go to waste. Farmers and food banks had pleaded with the U.S. Department of Agriculture to connect the oversupply with the growing need. Florida's Agriculture Commissioner said she'd asked for help for nearly a month, but the department didn't announce a plan until 10 days ago. Should this intervention have happened before? We needed to have acted sooner um, because it's put stress on charitable organizations like the Feeding America Food Banks that um, our inventory is running out. And until the federal program catches up, some farmers say they will still have to euthanize livestock and chickens. We reached out to the USDA, which said it's working as quickly as possible and plans to start purchasing food for distribution by the end, or actually over the next week. But given the current disruptions, one expert we spoke with warned that some grocery stores could start to see meat shortages by the end of this week. Nora? Quite a warning there. Thank you, Annie. General Motors announced today they are hiring 1,000 new workers at their plant in Kokomo, Indiana, to help build 30,000 ventilators by August. The move comes as car production here in the U.S. has been shut down, and many workers have been either furloughed or laid off. On Sunday's 60 Minutes, we showed you how the automaker has retooled their factories in a wartime-like effort to fight the coronavirus. Well, tonight, a closer look at the workers who answered the call and made it all happen. 
I was on indefinite layoff. Like so many in the auto industry, GM's Michaeline Lynch knows what it's like to suddenly be out of work. There's a lot of people that are hurting out there that don't have jobs. Yep. Yeah, there is. I mean, this isn't my first layoff from General Motors, so I know I know how it feels to not know whether you're going to have another job. So when they made this call and I could come back, it was it was just wonderful. When GM's Tracy Streeter got the call, he told his wife, who works as a nurse. I have a 16-year-old son, and she's like, Trail, your dad's going to make history. Has your wife ever been so proud of you? She reminds me every day. For Tracy, his new job is personal. His sister was recently hospitalized after a severe asthma attack. She was on the ventilator for a couple weeks, and they were, basically, it was keeping her alive. I'm building the very thing that saved my sister's life. It kind of puts that in a sense and makes it surreal. All the workers we spoke with were driven by one thing, purpose. This is probably the greatest thing I've done in the 25 years that uh, I've been working in General Motors. Billy Pagan communicates daily with his 15-year-old daughter via Snapchat. I think that my daughter looks up for me. I know that when she sees me doing something like this, that there's a little extra, right, little extra uh, uh, pride that she has knowing that I'm doing this. And that sense of pride and purpose is what made putting off retirement for GM's George Vandemeyer worth it. You know, some have even compared this to the efforts that the automakers made in World War II. You know, I haven't been through a war that we had, and that's how I feel. I feel like this is, this is a wartime, and, and this whole group is coming together and just making sure that, in fact, we're going to get these ventilators done. We're going to get them out to the people that need them. We have posters all over this place, and it says everything we're doing here is to save another person's life. Makes you wonder if we need a resurgence of American manufacturing. Great workers. Tonight, North Korea's state media is trying to tamp down reports that leader Kim Jong-un is gravely ill or has died. As proof of life, the North is offering letters it claims Kim has written in recent days, including one to the president of South Africa. South Korean officials believe Kim is alive and well and staying in a resort town in the North, though he hasn't been seen in public in weeks. And now to this heartwarming story. Mabel Franks has fought cancer for two of her three years. But now the Minnesota girl has reason to celebrate with the help of a lot of loving friends. Mabel was diagnosed with leukemia at 14 months. Sunday was her last chemotherapy treatment. And her community showed up in force, parading around her cul-de-sac, letting Mabel know how special she is. COVID-19 could not keep a loving couple from celebrating their golden anniversary. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. Are you ready to call Tony? 78-year-old Harry Pugh dressed up for the occasion. Look at you! With your glasses on the tie on. And it was just enough to bring his virtual date to tears. I love you. I love you too, honey. Harry lives in a nursing home in upstate New York. Tony visited him every week until lockdown last month. But even a pandemic couldn't stop Harry from surprising his wife of 50 years. Somebody's at my door. Happy anniversary! You're supposed to mark your 50th wedding anniversary with gold. But these days, there's no greater gift than simple love. That's 50 years of my life. That's 50 years of my life, too. Jonathan Vigliotti, CBS News, Los Angeles.
and happy anniversary. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, the return of the car hop, why a 50s throwback will be part of the new normal as the country recovers. And if you can't watch live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. The car hop, huh? And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Stay safe and good night. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.